Welcome to the Top Business Leaders Podcast. You'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more and to download our show notes, go to topbusinessleaders.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Meredith Elliott Powell. Welcome. Thank you. I am excited to be here, Dan. Meredith, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a business growth strategist, a keynote speaker, and an award-winning author. But really, my passion is helping my clients learn everything they need to know to grow a business in an uncertain marketplace. Fantastic. Now, you've written a number of books, and you've written books with with other people, which I find fascinating. But first, let's get into the whole idea of why you decided to write a book in the first place. And I know you have quite a few books. And how has the book helped your business? You know, the, the book has helped my business in ways that I had no idea could help my business. I mean, I am somebody who tends to move before she thinks. I'm not what you would call a planner. So really, when I became a speaker, when I went into business for myself, everybody said you had to have a book. So that's why I wrote a book, having no idea how important and how vital and what an impact having a book having a book would have. And since you wrote the book, how has it helped you? Well, first of all, writing books, I would write books even if I never published one and I never sold one. And the reason is because they force you to have an opinion. They force you to organize your thoughts and they force you to be able to make your case. So I became better at sales. I became better at speaking. I became a better consultant to my clients once I started writing books because I not only believed in what I said, but I could back up what I said. I I just think it's, I think it's such an important thing to do. Fantastic. Now, I know that you've written books with other people. Um, That's a novel idea that I'm sure a lot of my clients and prospects and people listening are curious about, you know, do they, they, a lot of people feel they don't have enough time to write a book or they can't organize or they're good in certain areas uh, and they might need some help. Tell us about your process. Why did you decide that you should collaborate in the first place? Well, you know, um, after I wrote the first uh, the first three or four books I wrote on my own, and those um, those went great, thanks to my very first publisher who gave me an unbelievable process for how to write a book, which um, which I'll happy to share in a few moments. But you'd mm-hmm. asked me about collaboration. And after um, I had written the first couple of books, I had, I had somebody call me, a friend of mine call me and say, I really want to write a sales book, and I think you and I could write it well together. And I really admired her work. Um, I believed a lot in what she said, and I felt like we brought very different strengths to the table. So I jumped in um, on that one, really having no idea what it would be like to collaborate um, with someone. The next book that I collaborated on came because I was doing a lot of work with the person that I was, um, that that I ended up writing with. And it just seemed natural because we kind of written the book through our work. But I will say, I think collaborating is, it's a wonderful gift for you. It's a wonderful gift for your readers. 
at the same time, if you're a control freak who just has an absolute belief and thought of exactly how your book needs to be written, don't collaborate because you need to be open and you need to, there's a lot of give and take in it, but oh, I think that, I think the outcome is so much better. So tell, walk me through the process of finding a collaborator. Was, was this someone, how would you find a good collaborator? You know, you'd start with, and I'm hoping that anybody listening to this, whether you're a consultant, you're a speaker, you're a coach, you're heavily networked and heavily involved in whatever your community Mm -hmm. is, um, volunteering your time, because that is where I have found my masterminds, the people that um, are, you know, kind of my advisors, my mentors, but it's also where I have found my collaborators. It's where I found the people that I want to write with. When you, when you join organizations with people, you really get to to see who they are, what they think, and what they believe. And you better try somebody on for size before you actually end up writing a book with them. That's great advice. Let's dig a little bit deeper on that. What kinds of things do you look for that say, that say this is going to win? And what are some warning signs that say, hey, I really like this person, but not as a writing partner. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because you, somebody I go to dinner with or something, it might be very different from somebody I write a book with. Um, the number one thing is that I think you need to share the same values and beliefs when it comes to um, to the subject matter. I mean, I'll just give you an example. Um, in, in the book that Mary Kelly and I are, are publishing on succession planning, we are very passionate about believing that succession planning isn't something you do at the executive level. It's something that should be done to throughout the organization. I talked to a couple of people about succession planning before, and they're really experts in the C-suite level or the CEO. And that wasn't the way I wanted to write my book. So you need to be able to, um, you need to share the same philosophies and the same, um, the same ideas for the book. I would say the second thing is you better write a book with somebody who has the same work ethic um, as you, whether it be Mary Kelly or Connie Podesta, both of my, um, my co-authors, as well as my sister. I co-authored a book with my sister um, as well, is there's just been no question. We're almost fighting each other to take on um, to take on responsibility. I almost felt guilty in all three books that I wasn't pulling my weight because my partners were so strong. Um, and the last thing I would say is, do they bring different strengths um, to the table? Connie, for me, really brought, um, she had the connections with the publishers and with the editors and things like that. And I brought a lot of the um, technical sales skills um, to the table. So we we both were equals in what we brought to the table. And so those were the things I would say to, to look for. And what are the things to, uh, I guess we can flip that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those things um, to avoid. I would say, number one, do not ester- underestimate um, why somebody might be approaching you to write um, to write a book. Um, they sometimes people um, realize that you're already a published author, so they kind of feel like they could get on your coattails um, mm. and go with it. Um, you know, the second thing is that does that person have anything to say? Is there any meat? on the bone? What's their experience? And, and you need to know those things. If they don't have the experience, if they don't have the background, if they're not willing to work really hard and willing to sell the book, because make no mistake, you're selling the book. No magic fairy is going to show up and sell the book for you. So, you know, avoid people who, who, who just haven't walked this, um, walked this path or aren't open to doing whatever it takes. 
Fantastic. You know, when I asked the, this follow-up question, I was afraid you were going to turn everything on uh, that you said at the first on its head and say, don't look for these people who aren't <laughs> willing to blah, blah. And uh, you, you gave me three unique answers. So I, I truly appreciate that. <laughs> sure. So, I, I did that. I did that on purpose. I figured you didn't want me to flip everything on its head. <laughs> well, you're quick on your feet. That's what it shows me. <laughs> okay. okay. Can you describe a little bit more about the working process? You, you found your co-author. How do you decide who writes what and what kind of schedules do you keep? You know, let's, let's get, let's get yes. back to the nitty gritty. Um, mm-hmm. Boy, I hope that, I hope that anybody is listening to this. This is about to take pen to paper because I am about to give you um, gold. Now this is not gold that I came up with. This was gold given to me by my first publisher, but the way that um, the way that I write books, it's also the way that works unbelievably well with co-authors is that you sit down. The first thing is you pick your subject, whatever it is that you're going to write on. And the fastest way to pick your subject, is just pick something that you are good at, you believe in. I mean, you can write about anything. And then the moment that you do, you walk away, you give that 24 hours, you come back and you just do a brainstorming dump of everything that you would tell me about that subject. Like, let's decide that I was going to write a, uh, a book about how to grow a tree. I might decide that you need to decide what kind of tree you're going to plant, where you're going to plant it, what kind of soil you need, how, how much it tends to be, you know, how much you need to, to garden it. What does it need to be fed? I mean, whatever you can think of then walk away for another 24 hours, then come back and put those in order. Like it, how would you tell me what you would tell me in order? And those become your chapters for your books. And if you're working with a co-author, you just divide those up. It becomes really easy. You look at it and you go, I know more about picking a place to, um, to plant a tree. And Mary might say, I know more about how, how often to water um, uh, a tree. And I might say, I know more about how to prune it. So you just each take your chapters. And the schedule that you work in is, you know, you've got to make it pretty tight. Um, we tend to work in, um, in 90 to 120 day increments um, and just bite it off. And, um, and you write a chapter at a time. And, um, and don't worry about making the chapter perfect. The editor will fix that. The editor will clean stuff up. You just need to write. And you do that and you switch the chapters back and forth. And before you know it, you've got a book. I cannot stress the editor enough. <laughs> Well, tell me more about the editor. What, how, what, what, do, what, what, what do you want the editor? What, where does your writing stop and what does the editor do? What's the difference? Yeah, the, um, the, I am a big believer that my writing is, is me just um, writing in my own voice and very much writing everything that I think um, about, uh, about the chapter. Um, I, I will pass it off to an editor and the editor will, um, will go through and clean it up. It's important to have an editor that can edit in your voice so that your writing still sounds like you're writing, but, um, but also an editor that, um, that tells you, you know, you're repeating yourself here or this doesn't really make any sense. So I feel like, you know, to answer your question specifically, I feel like my writing stops as soon as I finish the chapter. And I don't, I'm not laborious over the chapters. I finish them. I I'll might let my co-author look at them, uh, but then I pass it to the editor. When she brings it back to me, I'll read the changes and edits that, that she's made, but I'm not looking for her to do anything extreme unless I've said something stupid or repeated myself or I've written something that doesn't make any sense, which Dan, I've got to admit to you, does happen on occasion. 
Uh, yeah, I, when I work with my clients, it's really eye-opening for them because they'll, t- they'll tell a story that they think makes a certain point, and I'll say, no, it, it doesn't. <laughs> or they'll have a story in the wrong chapter. It's a great story, but it's, uh, it's about trust, and they have it in the uh, leadership uh, part. So, no, it really should be a little <laughs> yeah. bit different. Here. It's close, but not close enough. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And they generally thank me for it because they get too close to – this story. In ah. fact, sometimes they'll tell the same story three times in the same book and they don't realize yeah. it because they're so close to it. So I can see why you love yeah. your editor so much. Now, how did you find yeah, your editor? Did it come from your publisher or did you from your networking or how did that happen? <clears throat> well, what a um, what a great question, because um, I certainly don't have to tell you, but a great editor is um, can be um, can be a challenge to find. So your clients are, are lucky. I uh, my very first book, um, Forty Two Rules to Turn Prospects into Customers. The publisher was actually my editor, and she was amazing. And um, that was the last good editor I really had um, <laughs> I had for a while. And um, and then when I wrote the book with Connie Podesta. Um, uh, the best sales book ever, Cut Through the Excuses and Send Sales Through the Roof. Uh, Connie brought the editor, um, Susan Pretty, to the, uh, to the table, and, um, and she was, uh, she's been my editor ever since. Great. Now, this is a very interesting book graphically. Yes. In our pre-con, you told me that you have the book that starts in the beginning, goes to the end, and you flip it over and read it backwards, and there's another story <laughs> to tell from there. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so when um, Connie Podesta actually came to me with the idea to write this sales book, and I I loved her idea. She said, I don't want to write a sales book about all the things that salespeople need to do. I want to talk about what they need to quit doing. She said, everybody's got a to-do list that is longer than they need. Let's take things off their to-do list. So as we started writing the book with all the things that salespeople get to quit doing, every time we would come up with another chapter, we'd be like, oh, but we need to tell sales leaders this. And one day, Connie just said to me, she said, we need to write a second book. And I'm like, oh, Connie, I don't have the energy to write a second book. She said, no, no, we're just going to flip the book over and write the book um, uh, in the other direction. And that's exactly what we did. So the first the first, you know, book is really about for salespeople. And then the um, you flip the book over and it's a little bit shorter, but it's for sales leaders and what they need to um, uh, quit doing. And I just, I love the book. Um, and from an editing standpoint and a design standpoint, my designer was amazing. She didn't have, she didn't hesitate with it at all. How she got things right was beyond me, but she did an amazing job. Okay. Let's break this down a little bit more visually so we can get a feel for this. So let's say, let's say your first book is a hundred pages. So page one is your, is the first book. Page two is the first book. Page three is the first book. Is that correct? Or That's exactly it, right. Okay. Okay. So we get, then we finish your book and to read Connie's book or the second part of the book, we flip it over. Uh, yep. why, why don't you just continue with, you know, part two? Because, you know, Dan, that wouldn't be as much fun, would it? (laughs) (laughs) No, it wouldn't. (laughs) I'm sure your designer wouldn't have as much fun either. So you literally flip it. So so, so you finish the first one, 100 pages or so, and then you see the very last page for the second book, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So you literally flip it over. Yeah. And then you literally flip it over and you'll see the acknowledgements again. You'll see the, um, you know, you'll see the chapters and you'll see, um, you know, you'll see our dedication and you just start over again going the other direction. (laughs) How did you think of this? 
You know, um, uh, Connie had actually done a book um, like this before, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. You know, now that now that I've got it out there, um, I'll have a I'll have a, an author say to me now and then, um, "Oh, you know, we did that. Uh, we you know we did that a while ago." And I just think that um, I just think it was a fun marketing um, gimmick. And and you know, to get books out there, there's so many books on the shelves. Just to have something just a little bit different. And um, and a little bit fun was uh, was I don't know just a, a a neat thing to add to the book. Did you have two two covers for the book? Yeah, yeah. We had um, <laughs> we've got you know one cover, and then our designer just did an amazing job and just made a few changes, but just enough to give it sort. It has a branded theme. I mean, the books look like they go together, but um, but when you flip it over, you can tell it's a different book, and they're a different color. Hmm. Interesting. I'm sure the folks at Barnes and Noble had a wonderful time trying to figure out how to slot your book. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think we're probably everybody's nightmare. <laughs> what other design challenges were there when you put, put the book together? I'm asking specifically because I have a client who is thinking about doing the same thing, and I I did my best to try to persuade them not to. But <laughs> right. um, there's something to be said for uniqueness. So what what did your designer do to that? Uh, to, to make the two books stand out? You know, I feel like she, um, first of all, I mean, her design was, um, was really simple and basic, but very, um, very attention grabbing and really, um, and really spoke to the title, um, of, of both of, of both of the books. I felt like she did a really good job with, um, color. I think that you have to be careful in this day and age. Everybody's books seem to be white. I mean, I've got a white mm-hmm. book as well. And, um, and everything kind of blends, um, you know, blends, blends together. And so I feel like she did a, I feel like she did a really good job with that. I'm also really big on when you get into the chapters, um, since I write business books, having actions and tools at the end so that people know exactly what to do and what to take away. And over the years, since I started, um, you know, since I started writing, my chapters have gotten a lot smaller. Um, you know, I don't think that people have the patience, uh, you know, the patience to read. Uh, you know, as much. Um, I got to tell you, for this book, I had a heck of a time really trying to proof it because I got so confused as to whether things were going in the right direction and stuff. But really, between my editor and designer, they uh, they really knew. They were able to look at it. Really knew that when it went to press, um, it went it went there right. So again, you you do not write a book alone, and you need to have a good team um, uh, around you. People who know what they're doing are smart at what they're doing, and they're worth they're well worth every dollar you pay them. Fantastic advice. Uh, just a few final questions on where you think the, the book readership audience is going these days, especially for business books. You hinted at that before that people don't want to read a lot. And I tell my clients the same thing that no one wants to read the encyclopedia about your topic. They want to solve a problem. But in terms of words and pages, what kind of guidelines would you give us today that works in today's world? Because I know you do keynotes for some of the biggest names uh, in corporate yeah. America. What are those people? What's their tolerance? What's their what, what's their reading point? Well, you know, you've got to add to the fact that I speak to a lot of salespeople as well, right? So that <laughs> takes the toler that takes the tolerance down even even just a little bit uh, more. But I'm I'm putting chapters at anywhere from 600 words to a thousand words. Mm-hmm. But more importantly than that, I think it's the mix of what I've got in there. I'm I'm 
really have a point, a solution, you know, the problem, the solution, but a story. And I've really integrated so many more stories into my um, into my books. In fact, I'm writing another book that will come out um, next summer, and, and it's a business book, and I've completely that is that one is probably 70% story 30% um you know action and what you and what you need to do so i again keep the chapters um short um, but make them something engaging that people want to read. I think the people will stay with you if the story uh, is good and it's interesting and there's a point that that is really going to make a difference uh, for them. I think they might even stay in for 1,500 to 2,000 words. But if you're just putting anything in there and keeping it at 600, um, you know, it's it's not going to. The other thing I think that's important is to make them interactive. I'm starting to wrap my books a lot more into um, videos and into my online courses. So there's connection back and forth between the two. Fantastic. And for the total length of the book, how many words would you advise? You know, I would say that, um, you know, let's see, I know what, nine, nine to 10,000 at the most. Really? Wow. That's really much shorter than I, than I've been telling my clients. That's great. Uh, easier, yeah. easier work for everyone, frankly. So that's, that's yes. great. Well, thank you so much for giving us all this wonderful advice. Tell us a little bit more about how we can get in touch with you and buy your books. Well, thank you. Um, first of all, I really want anybody listening to this podcast, if I have written a book and I've written several, you can write a book. Nobody was more challenged at this um, than I am. So I really want to encourage people uh, to do that. But you can find out about me at my website at valuespeaker.com. It's just the words value and speaker.com and find me on all the social media sites. I tend to live a little bit more on uh, on LinkedIn and um, and and Twitter. But I, I also um, encourage people to really reach out and connect with me. I, I, I like that. I'm a big networker. I love to be asked questions and I love to um, share information and learn from you. So I appreciate the time today, Dan. Thank you. Thank you so much, Meredith. Thanks for listening to Top Business Leaders, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.